Welcome to Boy Problems Podcast, hosted by three friends who were brought together by their heroin-addicted partners. We became each other's biggest support through some of life's toughest times. We're not licensed professionals, and nothing in this conversation is professional advice. But we hope our stories offer a glimpse into how these issues weave into our everyday lives. You're not alone. We can all get through it together. Welcome to Boy Problems Podcast. We have two guests with us, uh, Lindsay and Carrie. They are a part of Seven Sisters, and we're going to have a conversation with them today. They are both sisters who lost siblings uh, to the disease of addiction, and so we're going to hear about their stories and then hear about what Seven Sisters is doing. So uh, does one of you want to jump in first and kind of share your story with us? Carrie, do you want to go ahead? I can, yeah. Um, well, um, my sister, um, she, she passed away in September of 2016. Um, and we, um, we kind of knew something was off. I, well, I knew something was off. My parents were in major denial, um, like middle school age. Um, she was experimenting with different, um, started out with marijuana and then started, you know, kind of snowballing, um, trying different things and by the time she was in high school she was doing some pretty heavy things uh, and she became pregnant around I think she was 20 she was clean for a couple of years when she had her baby um, and then whenever her daughter was going into kindergarten she um, we found out she was heavily in you know using meth um, and so she she was given her daughter back for a couple of years once she became clean and then she turned to heroin and then that's what ultimately killed her. I mean, that's in, in 2016. So that's, that's the short story. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Thanks for sharing with us. I know it's always hard to talk about. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. So I guess, can you tell us a little bit more, like you said, you knew in middle school. So what, what do you mean that, so are you, is it just you two siblings? Did you have more siblings? Um, yeah, it was my sister, me, and then my youngest brother. He's nine years younger than I am. Um, and my, my parents didn't, we never knew for sure that she was using in middle school, but I, I, I knew. And especially once we got to high school, I could, I could tell, Mm -hmm. I could tell like her behavior and everything just kind of changed. And, um, there was one, one day we, I, I found her and I actually got in trouble because I blamed, I, accused her of using drugs um she was in my dad's office and she was on the on the ground um we had to call the hospital but she had used um i'm not sure what what all she used but she had inhaled duster um but she was also using other things at that time too but i got in trouble because i um it was you know my parents were in denial i got in trouble because i accused her of using drugs so uh she was heavily in she was heavily using drugs i believe in high school so when you you said you got in trouble was that from her or your parents like because your parents didn't want to my 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 parents my mom my mom just thought I was being you know mean big sister and um she thought she just hadn't eaten enough for the day and she had passed out yeah that's something we're always I think very interested in um the way that Elise and I met we go to a family support group um here in town and it's a mix of spouses parents kids or children siblings and it's always interesting to hear like what the different dynamics were and how you know 
or are and how various family members handle their loved one's addiction. Um, it can be so unique within the family, but it definitely affects everyone. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, it definitely yeah. does. So what did that do? So you got in trouble. You saw your sister kind of passed out. Like She was, like, foaming at the mouth, passed out. I mean, we thought, I mean, it looked like she wasn't breathing. So And she was fine. She ended up coming to school later that day. Um, but it was, you know, I, I got in trouble. I mean, it scared me. It really scared me. I knew something was really wrong then. I think she was, um, let's see, I was, I was a senior at that point, and she was a freshman in high school, so she was still pretty young. So it was just, you know, it only got worse yeah. from there. At what point did your, or did your parents ever like come out of denial or? Um... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'd say after it, it, when her daughter was taken away and um, before she started kindergarten, I think they really realized, you know, yeah. she was DCS took her daughter away and she was in, she went to, she went to jail. So now how I think they that's sorry. Now, how was your relationship? You know, were were things chaotic? Was it crazy or did she kind of keep things separated from you? Um, my, we were pretty close in high school. I mean, we bickered back and forth because we are so so close in age. Um, but once she had her daughter, we got, we were pretty close, but I knew whenever she was using, because she would stop she usually texts me every day, multiple times a day about everything. So she would just become real quiet and, or, you know, for, on, say, for example, on holidays, she wouldn't show up. Like she would be five hours late or not even show up at all. So we, you know, it was, it was, it was rocky. So we, we got along when she was sober, when she was using, it was, it was, it was yeah. tough. Cause you can't reason, you can't reason. I couldn't reason no. with her. Yeah. And you know, you can't put yourself in the like position where you're, you know, putting yourself in danger or if they don't want the help, like you can't force it on them. And yeah, that's, that's yeah. hard. Um, yeah. Lindsay, what's, you want to share a little bit about your story? Uh, sure. Um, so uh, I lost my brother, Sam in January of 2017. Um, Sam uh, is, was my only sibling. Um, he's four years younger than I am. And we grew up in a pretty, I mean, pretty typical family, um, middle class. My parents were divorced. Uh, my dad moved away um, after my parents were divorced. And I, I do think that my brother took that a lot harder um, than I did. Probably, um, you know, being a male with two females um, and his dad had moved away. So I think he did uh, have a hard time adjusting to that. And he, um, he had, a, you know, a lot of friends, he was attractive, um, had girlfriends growing up, was involved with things. Uh, and, you know, I think in high school is whenever he probably, high school is probably when he started experimenting. I feel like whenever we were growing up, I would do things, but I would never get caught. <laughs> he would always get caught and he was younger than me. And I think that that um, he thought I was always the favorite um, mm -hmm. and probably because I was doing the same things he probably was, but I just didn't get caught doing them um, like he did. Um, and, you know, after high school, so I think 
he didn't do anything that was abnormal. And then, you know, after high school, I do think that he didn't know really, he didn't really have a direction as to where he was going to go. And I feel like at that time, I, I think it's great that the kind of tables are turning a little bit, but at that time it was, it was still so stressed that you have to go to college. And if you don't go to college, you're not going to be successful and you're not going to get a good paying job. You know, I think now people really are realizing that there's so much success in, you know, being in the trades and that's a good career move where you can be successful. Um, but at that time it was still so stressed that college was the way to go. And, and for my brother, he just, um, he was very smart, but, um, you know, he, he moved away to be with my dad, uh, and, and then moved back home to Evansville and, and just really couldn't find his way. And he started experimenting, you know, he wasn't a big drinker. I was always much more of a drinker than he was. Um, but he got into pills and he got into pot. Um, and we knew, he passed away when he was 27 years old. And I think he struggled throughout his early and mid twenties with addiction. Um, but definitely in those, you know, 25, um, 24, you know, to, to the time he passed, he struggled. Um, I remember there was one Christmas that he came to us and said that he needed to go to rehab that he, like he admit he was, he was high, he needed to go. And we took him to um, a facility in town and it was a two week stay. Um, and, you know, in that facility prescribed um, Suboxone, you know, things like that. And, and then after that, you know, you go, he was, he became addicted to the methadone clinic um, and, and really got, um, has struggled with that a lot. Um, but, you know, he was having like those signs were there to our family. He was stealing from us. Um, he was lying. I remember I had to go and pawn, like buy, he had pawned like some of my grandmother's rings, like mm -hmm. things that were not in his character when he was sober. Like it definitely was the disease, um, of addiction, making these decisions, um, so he could get money for drugs, uh, the, or pay for other things because he didn't have money because of drugs. Um, he did have a girlfriend and they lived together. And um, I think that that helped him. And I think she did try to get him sober. Um, I don't think that she was using the heavy drugs that he was using. I don't know that, you know, for sure or anything like that, but you know, I, she told us she didn't and all I can do is trust what you know, she said, so I, I do trust her. Um, and she cared for my brother very much. Uh, he, you know, whenever he passed away, he did pass away. It was in 2017. And there was a lot of deaths that year. 2017 um, was a really big uh, hit to the state of Indiana, especially. And um, he passed away of a fentanyl overdose. And um, his girlfriend uh, did find him and he was by himself. Whether somebody was there with him and had left, you know, we'll never know, um, you know, but we did try to take him to a, we did have an, before he passed away, I, I was glad we did have an intervention and it didn't work. You know, he wasn't ready. To, he was not ready to get healthy. He was not there yet. And you can do, you know, so much, but if they're not ready, it, it, 
it's probably not going to, you know, sometimes it sticks, but in my brother's case, it didn't. We, he went to rehab um, and left two days later. Mm-hmm. And for my family, it was really hard because again, he was stealing, you know, there's, you can, you would continue to enable somebody so much. And then you wonder, you know, how much, like, what do we do? You're, you just don't know. Do you do the tough love approach, you know? And if he, we said, if you don't complete your 30 days in rehab, we're done. You know, we are done. This is it. We, you know, we don't have any more to give. Um, You know, we're just drained, like emotionally, you know, all, all aspects. And um, so whenever he did go to rehab, it was the last time that I spoke to him. And that was in November and he passed in January. So, um, you know, I, I regret not talking to him, but then I also wonder if it was best because we could have been argumentative with our last conversation had we been talking. And I, I'll always remember I was encouraging to him when he was going to rehab as the last thing that I said. So I have had to try, you know, you try to find peace somewhere through the silver lining um, of everything. Yeah. Uh, but that is that's uh, my- that. Yeah, when you're trying to find a silver lining, that that is nice that you can at least feel at peace with the last conversation. Mm-hmm. And like you said, it's so hard to know, like, what that balance is between tough love and being supportive and should you talk. And um, I'm curious, you know, how did your family like get to those decisions? And um, what did you know about enabling and or what sort of resource help did you, you guys have mm-hmm. as you were trying to navigate that during the active use? Right. You know, I wish, um, I wish my family would have uh, reached out for ca- counseling or group support groups, but I think there was still, there still is. And we definitely kind of felt it, that feeling of being, ashamed and just not not knowing where to do what to do and where to go um and so we just kind of did it was just an instinct um I and you know I was just so mad at him for so many things for you know this feeling for just you know I we had a, a tough relationship um at the end of the day, he was my brother. And, you know, looking back, we had a lot more in common than I think we ever realized. Uh, But as far as enabling, you just, you know, I think your gut is that you just want that person to get well, and you want to trust that they're going to, you know, when you give them money that they're, they really are going to put gas in their tank, you know, but are they, are they going to go, you know, buy drugs or go to the liquor store or whatever? Um, it's just so hard. And I wish that I, uh, myself, my mother, my dad would have reached out, um, for professional help. Mm -hmm. Uh, we didn't. And that's definitely something that I know, like with seven sisters, we really try to, um, push out those options for not just recovery, but for support groups for family, because it is, um, you know, it's a disease that affects the whole family, the whole, the, everyone. Um, so it's hard. I wish that we would have done more during his active addiction than what we did. You mentioned seven sisters. So that's, how did 
is that how you and Carrie met then? And how about you tell us a little bit about where how Seven Sisters came to be and the way you got to know each other? Do you want to go, Carrie? You want me to go? Okay. Okay. I mean, you okay. can. You're the one that got all of us <laughs> okay, together. Okay. So, Seven <laughs> yeah. Sisters started in August of 2017. Um, Carrie lost her sister in 20 was 2016. Carrie. Yeah. Yeah. September. Um, and then a couple other. We all have mutual friends. We there's actually a set of sisters within, like legitimate sisters within oh, Seven God. Sisters. Um, but <laughs> the rest of us are all from the same area, have mutual acquaintances, like know each other through other people, um, some more than others. But we, after um, another sister, Allie, lost her brother in 2017, um, you know, we just started reaching out to one another and forming this bond um, through our grief and sadness and just, you know, what can we do? Is there anything we can do to like turn this grief into something good? Uh, for the community, you know, how can we form an organization? And for us, it was very therapeutic, which I'm sure it is for you all too, doing <laughs> the podcast. Um, you know, it's our own personal little therapy group that, and we, you know, for the first few times, we just sat and told stories and, you know, cried and, and things like that. And we wanted to do, you know, our first thing was, what is our mission? What is our purpose of this organization? And we really just wanted to be out there to advocate for recovery options, to reduce, you know, the stigma that's associated with addiction. Um, and, and again, just be a voice um, and a place for family members to reach out that are really struggling and, you know, look for resources that can help them because the, that, and that's what we get um, the most of the questions that we get from um, people from our community is I have a sibling or I have a, a spouse or, you know, that's using, I don't know what to do. Like, where can I go? Um, and there are groups, you know, there's support groups, there's Al-Anon, there's Families Anonymous. Um, but with a lot of the, you know, if you don't know where to look, you don't know that those things might be act actually going on in your community. Right. Well, and in the yeah. moment, it's just, everything is so overwhelming yeah. and you're trying to figure out so much. And if it's not something you're really in tune with, yeah, you have no idea where to start. You have no idea. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not some, I think, you know, it's getting better where people are being a little bit more open, but also at the time um, when my boyfriend first went through treatment six years ago, it was like nobody that I knew like was, had, was going through anything like that, or had at, at least had talked about it. So I was like, I didn't even know like, who should I reach out to say like, what did you do about this? Um, and then obviously once you are going through it and you do start talking, you find out how many people have been affected by, um, addiction, but at first it's, you just don't really know where to turn. So I think that's awesome that you're offering that for people. Um, is the group, is it primarily for siblings or do you have people who come from that are parents, spouses, or what is the majority um, of your yeah, we have a support group that, well, currently isn't meeting, um, but we have a monthly support group and it's anybody that's uh, affected by addiction. So if it's a, you know, we have mothers, siblings, um, 
I think there have been some people that are in addict, you know, that are recovering, um, that also come and bring a family member, sisters, brothers. So it's, it's really for all, um, family members. So anybody that's family members or, you know, personal friends, um, partners, things like that. Yeah. So what was your, um, so you guys are talking, you're like, Hey, let's come up with seven sisters. Like, what was that feeling like, um, you know, that stigma? Like, did your parents want to say like, no, I don't want you to do this. Like, I don't want people to know that my son or daughter was an addict. Like my mother-in-law doesn't want people to know that my husband is a heroin addict. So how was that for your families? Like, did you clear that with them? Like, how did, how do you guys feel as siblings that your, you know, um, siblings had, uh, an addiction? Like, do you think that take, like, makes people think bad about you? Like, was that a, a consideration? Go ahead, Carrie. Um, I, after my sister's death, I, 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 I honestly didn't care what anyone thought. So, um, and including my parents, I guess I kind of just jumped into it and I'm like, this is what I'm going to do. And I'm going to talk about it. So, and they're, they're actually on board with it. They're okay with it. Um, but you know, they, they, I was more willing to talk about and be more open about what was going on or what had happened than, than they were, but they were, you know, ultimately okay with me coming out and talking about it because they realized that it, it could help, you know, someone else save a life yeah it's a way of turning a a, you know a tragedy into having some positivity come out of it and being able to help others yeah yeah I know that there um some uh, I think that it my my family was fine you know I definitely did ask them first because I still was a little cautious um I wanted to be sure that whatever I was doing came off as honoring my brother and not um, like, you know, taking away dignity from him in death. Um, And I feel like, you know, I feel like our siblings um, are now helping, you know, after they've, after they're, they've passed, um, their story is helping other people. Um, and that's just kind of how, how we have to look at it and, and not worry about what, um, you know, what other people say, you know, especially I remember initially, Carrie, you probably remember this. We had, uh, there was, we were covered by the local news in a few different stories and there were people that would comment, um, you know, that's, that's a decision that they could quit if they want to, their siblings could have quit, you know, it's not a disease. It's, it's a choice. They don't have self-control, you know, just those kind of comments. And I mean, those things you might have never get through to those people, you know, until, and that's, we can't change that. But I do think that with us getting our stories out there, and being comfortable in talking about it, hopefully it makes other people comfortable to share their story with a friend that may be dealing with the same, same issues um, with a family member. Yeah. Those comments always just get under my skin. It's, it's so frustrating because you, you know, you want to just be like, but you don't understand. Um, 
but I think you made a good point of as you're sharing it and then, you know, showing people like the human side and, you know, the, the struggle that they had, like, hopefully that can help bring some empathy or awareness and you're not going to obviously get through to everyone, but you're reaching a lot of people who do need that help. And so, yeah, yeah, I have to always stop myself from getting too far down the rabbit hole of the comments. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Fires me up for sure. I know. I'm with you. <laughs> Are you guys doing now something special about the group um, that you guys facilitated? Do you actually have like a, an actual facilitator, um, like a counselor as a part of that, right? We do. Yes. Um, her name is Lisa Seif. Um, and she, she has worked in a lot of the drug courts, um, in our area. She's a, um, licensed therapist. Um, and she works with a lot of families, uh, dealing with addiction. Um, and so she is just, has been wonderful. Uh, I think people really like her and, and relate to Lisa uh, and she, in our, the meetings, what's, what I really have enjoyed is that it's not necessarily even like a therapy session. It's so educational. Like she goes, like she explains the addiction, um, and you know, how it like in a, in a brain and how it affects not only that person, the family, you know, just going into so many different things that you don't think about whenever your loved one is using, you're just, trying sometimes to stay afloat and not thinking about, um, all of, you know, what they're dealing with internally. Um, and she's really good at breaking that down and again, just educating, um, you know, and that it's just knowledge is powerful. And, and, um, if we get a few people in there that, that gain some new knowledge about addiction, um, and how to, to help their family, and loved ones, you know, we, we figured that was a success. Now, did either of you know much about addiction um, before kind of all of this was going on within, within your family? No, no, I didn't at all. And even whenever it was going on, I still didn't. I mean, I was so angry at my sister and I didn't, I, I understand more now than I did whenever she was living, which is sad. And I, something I, something I regret big time but um no I so Carrie did you guys try to take your sister into rehab or did she just get clean on her own because the baby um yeah when she um when she had Ava yeah she she was clean for a while because of her and then no she would never she never went to rehab um she she did go to like short like a short-term rehab locally but she never she would not go to a long-term rehab I offered a driver I offered to you know take her she wouldn't she wouldn't do it yeah. Yeah. I think that's something that we hear time and time again, at more of these podcasts and calls we do just like that knowledge is kind of, you know, we ask people like, what's the one piece of advice you would give to somebody? And it's like, you know, just learn about it, like learn about the addiction, uh, you know, because I, I think a lot of times you take it personally, like, oh, you know, my brother's using because or my husband's using because he's mad at me or something like that. Like it's, um, but that it's not, that's not the case. Yeah. No. No, and you get so angry. Like I was just so mad at her all the time, and I would just, you know, yell at her, you know, and just why? Why are you doing this? Why are you doing this to you and your, you know, your daughter? Can't you just quit? But she could. She couldn't just quit. 
And I know that now, but at that time I was so mad at her. I just didn't take the time to, to try to, um, you know, Sure. Well, again, try to understand you know the way the addict's brain works is so different than our like you know quote unquote like normal brains and so trying to mm-hmm. un- like understand like I just don't understand why you're doing this or like aren't aren't you thinking about anybody else or like you know how could you go and sell this of ours um, I mm-hmm. think like learning that disease and how it like about the disease and how it affects their brain helped helps me to like separate yeah. the myself from it like not be take it as personally um mm-hmm. and that it is also helpful then for being able to yeah. set boundaries and try and protect my myself um where it's like okay I'm you know yes I want to help the person I love by giving them money but like this is not this is not them in their normal sober self this is like the addict and I can't help the addict so just learning the about the disease does make a huge difference. So I think that's great that you guys are a resource to be able to do that for so many people. Now, Lindsay, um, and if are you in recovery? Is that something that you? Um, so yeah. So actually, um, for me, after you know, after my my brother was. Um, you know, my brother was using pills and was using, um, drugs. So like, you know, heroin, um, things I probably don't even know about. Uh, but so to me and to my family, um, my brother's problems were so big, you know, it, it was the focus of, you know, if anybody was doing something wrong, it was definitely my brother. You know, I, um, I currently don't drink. I, I was never somebody that drank every day. Um, but I definitely struggle with, um, or struggled with binge drinking to where I, I couldn't control. I had a really hard time with cutting myself off. Like for some people having two drinks is, um, perfect. They're fine. Like for me, two drinks is okay. Let's go. Like, I'm ready to start having fun now, like two drinks. I would always joke that, oh, I don't even start counting my drinks until after a bottle of wine. Um, and that's not normal drinking. <laughs> um, so actually, after some of our support groups that we would have with Lisa and learning, again, learning more about addiction and um, alcoholism and, and things like that, I realized that I had to look inward and I noticed, you know, I realized that I had a problem that I needed to address. Uh, Alcohol was just making my life worse. It wasn't making my life better. You know, the, the times that I would, um, I wouldn't get in trouble all the time that I drank, but the times that I would be do something silly, drinking was involved. Um, So it made me realize that I had a lot more in common with my brother, but it was something that I never really focused on because compared to him, I was fine. Like I, I still had a job. I still had a relationship that I was in. Um, You know, I was able to be active and do things uh, and, you know, do do have the seven sisters group. And I just, after time, you know, some time, I realized that I needed to address some of my issues, um, and so I, you know, I, I quit drinking and, um, 
have been very grateful for that. And again, have kind of developed a, a relationship with my brother since he's passed just through similarities that I think we shared that we never realized that that were there. So um, I know kind of you both of you have mentioned that you were angry with your sibling when they passed. I'm sure that many people uh, feel that way after a loved one passes from addiction, probably especially when they're in active use. Um, now that you guys are kind of a few years away from the passing, like, is there any advice that you could give people who had a loved one who they've lost, like how you maybe came through the grief or anything like that? I, I personally went to grief counseling um, and it was very helpful for me. I am a big fan of um, seeking outside help. I think it's great to be able to talk to someone. Um, your feelings are much better out than kept in. And in my personal opinion, or for me anyways. So for me going to grief counseling um, and reaching out and if you go, if you meet with someone and it doesn't click for you, you know, go to somebody else. Don't feel like just because it didn't work with one therapist, it's not going to work with another. Um, but for me, I, I needed to go through um, some personal counseling on my own. And that's what helped me get through, you know, get through my grief and um, forget, you know, try to forgive myself and um, the, you know, the anger that I still had towards my brother. Carrie. Um, I actually, I, I didn't never, I didn't go through any counseling. Um, but, um, I think, well, having, I, my niece came to live with me a few months before my sister passed away. So, um, you know, talking with her that and being a mom to her, I guess, um, aunt slash mom really helped out a lot. Um, but when the group formed, that really helped me out a lot when all of us were, you know, able to get together and talk and, um, as soon as my sister passed away, I mean, all, all the anger I had towards her, you know, went away. I mean, I wasn't, and then I, I started trying to understand, you know, um, why it happened to her and things like that. So I think that helped researching. I did some research on my own. I wish I would have done that before whenever she was living so that, you know, maybe I could have, I feel like I could have maybe helped her a little bit more, but, um, that's what, that's, that's what I did when she passed away. I just tried to understand, you know, addiction and, what she was going through and things like that. But the group, the group helped me the most. I, I know you said the group. So you meet monthly. Um, what else do you do? What else does the group do besides the meeting? Cause I know there was like some more that seven sisters does besides the support group. You want to go? <laughs> you can go ahead. Okay. Yeah. Well, the race well we mm -hmm. do the yearly races and then... yeah we do um we started with a 5k uh for family members um for our family members and for family members in the community to come out and it was it was uh, we were amazed by the community support that we had um through fundraising efforts and just the number of people that showed up for the race um because people were there that and you know what i think it was nice for people to be like okay, there's going to be people there that have, that are like me. They have somebody that's either gone through addiction, um, or going through, so I'm not mm -hmm. alone in this. Um, and it was a really, you know, it's, they've been really great events and families come out. Um, we had, we've had pu a public speaker. We had Rex Chapman, um, 
who was um, an opioid addict. He played for, you know, an NBA basketball player, played for the University of Kentucky. He's originally from Owensboro. He came and did a free um, event for the community at the University of Southern Indiana. And we had standing room only. Um, it was wonderful. So many different, like, like coaches brought their their um, ball teams to listen to him talk about how you know, just through using pain pills after, you know, sports injuries. Um, so there was a lot of young athletes there that got to hear this story. And he was just very um, kind of off the cuff, I guess you could say with his story. Um, you could, you can tell that he, you know, um, that he had been through a lot and, and was just very open and honest with his story and, and with his recovery um, so we had that and we've talked to other high school groups about our stories. One story that kind of stands out in my mind was um, we were talking to high schoolers and we asked them, what does, uh, you know, when you think of an addict, what do you think of? And they said, mm -hmm. homeless, um, you know, those typical yeah. like gutter mm -hmm. drunk type comments, like homeless, um, no job, you know, just these stereotypical comments and, you know, bad family life, um, you know, and we were there to all tell our story and we all came from pretty typical families um, and, you know, no, and, and it, it kind of really hit home to some of those kids, I think, which was, which was good. So we really try to be involved with community um, efforts like that yeah, as well. That's awesome. So you, when did you, did you start Seven Sisters in 2017 then? Is that what you said? So yeah, about mm -hmm. three years now. Oh, that's awesome. Right. Cool. right. So since you guys aren't um, meeting um, because of this COVID situation, like how are you guys like taking care of yourselves or are people reaching out to you say like, I need the meeting or can we just talk? Um, we've been sharing the, you know, AA and other um, anonymous groups are still holding Zoom meetings. So we've been sharing the links to all of the Zoom meetings that are out there and that are available in our community, um, whether it's, you know, AA, CODA, uh, Al-Anon, things like that. Um, and just being a, a resource to help whenever people do reach out, um, if they're looking for, you know, where is their a short-term or long-term recovery center? Or is there anywhere? We received a message today um, wondering about meetings. So, and I think we sent some, just some links to other, it, depending on how long um, everything lasts, we may end up kind of rebooting our um, support group through mm -hmm. a Zoom um, or at least have a place where people can come just to chat. That's great. I, I think it's fantastic what you guys are doing down there. Cause like, like I said, there's, you know, a lot of people that we talk to, like there is not family support, you know, it is such a family disease. So I, I mean, I, I, when I saw what you guys were doing, I was like, Holy smokes, like that's just so fantastic. And how brave you guys are to come out and to tell such a sad story, but hopefully to get some really great things to come out of it. I just, I think it's so awesome. I was, I was excited that you guys agreed to come on and kind of share your stories. Thank you so much. Yeah. And I know um, a couple of the other sisters would be happy to come on and kind of tell oh. their stories too. If you yeah. ever have any. That'd be awesome. So, yeah. Um, Absolutely. There's some, they, there's some great stories from 
yeah, all of the girls. Well, great. So how could people donate to you guys? Like how could they find seven sisters? Right now we just have a Facebook page, um, seven sisters. There is, I believe a link if to donate, um, you know, right now our funds go towards our support group. Our long-term goal fundraising wise is to hopefully get a long-term recovery center. Um, that's, you know, similar to some of the um, recovery centers in Kentucky um, that are affordable or no cost working through, you know, it's, there's, as you know, recovery can be very, um, rehab can be yeah. very expensive. Um, and there's nothing that a model like that. And I know that there are efforts being made. Um, so we hope to be able to be financially, um, maybe give a gift to, to that if that ever comes down the, the pipeline in the future. That's really cool. Awesome. Yeah, we can, uh, we'll make sure to link to your Facebook in the, the notes and everything. Cool. So hope, hopefully people can find you if they need it. And I know um, the support group that we go to in Indy, a lot of times people might come while their loved ones are in treatment, but then they're going back home to other places around the state. Um, mm -hmm. And we'll usually ask like, what are some resources? So we'll definitely share that with our group too. I think um, it's nice to know Thank that you. this is an option. So, and I know you, you mentioned earlier that, you know, you wanted to do something to be able to like honor your siblings. Um, and it definitely sounds like you guys are achieving that. So I would just, want to give you the opportunity if there's anything else that you know you want to share about your stories or the group or if you have any um advice that you'd like to give people um just really want to open it up that up to you to share if you would like the only thing that i would just say um you know looking back i wish you know the tough love thing is hard um and it is hard. And I'm looking back, it's easy to say I would do things differently, but I would still, I wish I would could go back and just at least reach out and, you know, say how much I love, even though that they're doing shitty part. I don't know if you're going to bleep me out. Oh, shitty we said much worse. <laughs> through, their, through, their, through their addiction. Um, because it is, that is, that is the disease doing those things. That's not them. Um, so just reach out and tell them that you love them because you don't know when the, if it might be the last time, you know, still be find compassion in your heart and, and just tell that person that you love them. Um, that's the only advice that I have. Thanks. Carrie, anything for you? Same, same for me. I mean, just like the last time I spoke to my sister before she was hospitalized, um, it was Easter in 2016, and that's when I realized that she was had relapsed, and I was not nice. You know, I kind of stopped talking to her just because it was causing a lot of tension with my family and my kids and stuff. So, um, you know, I instead of getting so mad at her, I wish I would have just – I mean, you can be angry. I mean, you, you know, it's – but just I wish I would have just said, you know, I love you. I just, you know, want you to do your best and just, you know. That's my advice. Yeah. Well, and I can't everyone say is don't get mad because allowed it's really hard not to get feelings. mad. You know, it's, it's, so, it's tough. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. perfect. Well, thank you guys again so much for coming on. Uh, we're so excited thank to you. share your story.
Thank you all yeah. so much. Yeah. Okay. All right, guys. Well, thanks. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to Boy Problems Podcast. If you enjoyed today's discussion, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to this episode. Find us on social media, and if you have questions or ideas for topics, email us at hello at boyproblemspod.com.